With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the people's dynasty and fantasy podcast. I am your host, Memphis, at DFF Memphis on Twitter. And tonight I've got an action packed show. So on Friday, I'll be dropping a bonus episode where we cover some news. But in light of everything that happened in the football world today involving LaShawn McCoy, I just want to make this statement. There's a lot of missing, there's a lot of moving pieces, excuse me, as it relates to this incident. Um, There was the news that broke earlier today, and there's been a couple of subsequent pieces of news to drop since. In light of that, I don't feel right discussing this, and I don't feel right giving advice or making suggestions about how to proceed with LaShawn McCoy, the Buffalo Bills backfield, in any capacity. So I will do that on next Wednesday's show. By then, hopefully the waters will be a little less murky. And besides, I don't want to you know, take this show down a negative turn because I've got three amazing guests tonight. Uh, but before I bring those gentlemen on, I just real quick want to talk about gtbets.eu, uh, the official sponsor of the Dynasty Warzone pod. If you're looking to get in some action on today's games and the World Cup finale is coming up, uh, if I remember correctly, previous uh, host, co-host, uh, John Sheps told you to bet France, and it looks like France is going to have a shot to win it all. So had you listened to my boy Sheps and used the promo code WARZONE, you could be doing real well. But head over there uh, in the upper right-hand corner. There's a promo box in that box. Type in the word WARZONE, uh, all one word, WARZONE, and they will match your initial deposit up to 500 bucks, dollar for dollar. So if you deposit 250, they'll match it with a matching 250, and you'll have 500 to game with. So head over there. They have some of the best odds in the industry. Got uh, baseball going on. Uh, I think you can even get action over there on summer league basketball if that's your thing. So and uh, preseason football coming soon. I think the Hall of Fame game is less than a month away. So uh, again, quick. Uh, thanks to gtbets.eu. So listen, I want to get right into my guests. We have a little non-fantasy football segment. Uh, but let me introduce my first guest. My first guest is a writer for the dynastyfootballfactory.com with a special a specialization in IDP. He is the owner of the ffempire.com. He ha- is a 20-year veteran of Dynasty with his strength being drafting. I welcome to the podcast, Mr. Scott Osterloh, uh, found on Twitter at FF underscore Evil Empire. Is that correct, Scott? That is correct. Thank you for having me. No problem. Another uh, Dynasty Football Factory guy. Uh, very grateful for you to be here. Scott is a Minnesota resident, and he will be breaking down the Minnesota Vikings tonight. In the next corner, I like introducing these things like fights, like big UFC fights. In the next corner, this gentleman hails from Chicago, Illinois. He is also a member of the DF underscore network. He is a member of the redraftfootballfactory.com. 
and he is the co-host of the at the FF Fellas podcast. And you can find him on Twitter at Seth FF Fellas. Mr. Seth McKinley, welcome to the show again, pal. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh man, can't wait. We uh we spent a little time on Monday on the 24-hour Potomania running wild with the guys at the Falafel House, Sal and Steve, and uh, I'm drawing a blank on the third guy's name. Help me out here. Uh, Kevin. Kevin, thank you. Sorry, Kevin. Kevin uh, in the basement. Kevin in the basement. I told him I would bring the drywall, the tape, and the mud. Exactly. And we're gonna make we're gonna make that thing presentable for Scott Fishbowl Nine. So uh, we've got some work to do. And then my third guest tonight, we all know him. This guy's been out fighting crime. He has been exploring space. He is uh, the, the former uh, engineer of all things sights and sounds here on the Dynasty Warzone. He is a uh, former co-host here. And as Dwayne The Rock Johnson used to say in the WWE, finally, Mike Jernigan has come back to the Dynasty Warzone. MJ, welcome back, brother. Hey, Randy. Thank you, my friend. How have you been? Oh, man, it's been good. A little bit been good. Uh, I appreciate. I always appreciated you, but well, that's good. Your engineering prowess is sorely missed, and uh, but luckily, I have a, a gentleman helping me out. His name's Adam. He's been helping me for the last uh, month or so, and uh, has been a uh, a really big uh, help to the Dynasty Warzone. So listen, thank all three of you guys for coming on. I brought you guys on because. Mike is a Lions fan, Seth is a Bears fan, and Scott is a Minnesota Vikings fan. But before we start breaking down the NFC North, I'm going to start with Scott. Scott, in, in the non-football segment this week, I want to know, if you were going on a golf outing, what three other people would you want in your outing besides yourself? You can choose from people who are alive or dead, and just people that you find fascinating or interesting. So <clears throat> I kind of actually wanted to break this down um, a little bit um, differently. I have too many people on my list, so I'm going to give you my foursome if I wanted to have a fun day of probably drinking and cracking jokes. And I'll give you one of maybe my more of a historical, like interesting people. And then finally, my third one's going to be just the beautiful ladies I'd love to, you know, go spend six hours with. I so. like your style. <laughs> so the first one, I would go with Chris Farley, um, mi you know, Midwestern boy, hilarious, so much fun every minute of his life. Um, rest in peace, Chris. Um, Bill Murray, um, he's a part owner of the St. Saint Paul Saints out here, so I've seen him a couple times, you know, up in the Minnesota area, and he's a really fun cat. And then um, my favorite quarterback of all time, Brett Favre, um, I know he'd be farting the entire time, so it'd be a really fun uh, round of golf. Uh, historically, I think if I were to, um, you know, pick some people that I really have interest in, it would be JFK. Um, he seemed like a great leader, and he had some, you know, stories to tell behind the scenes. Um, Muhammad Ali, uh, greatest fighter and kind of a social justice character, so I'd love to pick his brain. And then my last one was Wild Bill Clinton because I just want to know how the the administration wor worked a couple 20 years ago or so. And then my final one, um, you know, the lovely ladies I would uh, choose would be uh, Rachel McAdams. She's uh, my favorite actress. 
um, Britney Spears just because she was, you know, coming up right when I was, you know, 13 years old. So that was great. And then uh, Jennifer Lawrence, because I think she's got a witty personality and a really fun um, uh, sense of humor. So thanks for, uh, you know, make, uh, taking me down memory lane a little bit there. Um, but yeah, those are my golf foursomes based on, you know, kind of those prior parameters. Well, you would definitely have three different days depending on which one of these, uh, (laughs) these, these groups you were among. Now, now I I was going to ask you, did you say Brett Favre is your favorite quarterback of all time? Yeah. Originally born and raised in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So, uh, been a Packer fan my whole life. I know, uh, I told you I'm a Vikings fan, but, uh, I'd say I'd lean to the Packers for, for actual, um, you know, fandom rooting for 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 my favorite team so did the transition to the uh vikings happen with Favre, or is it just uh as a result of where you live now you know um i'd if if you held the gun to my head i'd still be a packers fan but i told uh you know randy that because i live in minnesota i get the details i listen to the the k fan radio here and and so i'm always inundated with vikings data so i thought i'd be a, a pretty solid uh um guest for for vikings knowledge so um still a a packers fan through and through but uh definitely know everything there is to know about the vikes right now all right well that is very impressive and thank you for going the extra mile uh with 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 a multiple uh set of groups there so i want to move over to mj mj uh, who are you hitting the links with who who are your uh who is your foursome (laughs) well first of all i kind of want to expound on what eric said like if you combine one of each of his do chris farley bill clinton and rachel mcadams that sounds like a good time to me those four (laughs) yeah yeah any combination would be a heck of a good time i'm sure holy cow um all right so i went with an all lions one and i actually changed my last entry kind of at the last minute but uh i would go barry sanders because (laughs) as a lions fan and clearly i'm biased best running back to ever play the game but he left on such circumstances like you never hear about people doing what he did that coupled with the fact that i've talked about him on the war zone before as somebody who's always intrigued me he was never like a super showy guy even though he was the best in the business he just he would score his touchdowns he'd flip the ball to the ref and go back to his sideline he was never taunting anybody you know or doing any of that stuff i loved his character and he left kind of as mysteriously as he played the game. So I would love to sort of pick his brain a little bit. And then second, I would go with a guy who almost followed in his footsteps not all that long ago with Calvin Johnson, one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game, who walked away far too early. Uh, and this is a guy who, you know, kind of for my money, went up against some of the best corners. You know, I think we had sort of a – a generational move there where we had some really good corners in the league. It didn't matter to Calvin Johnson. He could just beat him all the time. Um, and my last one, I kind of want to change and uh, go a little bit off the cuff here for anyone listening who might be from the Detroit area. And I talked about it with these guys a little bit pre-taping Jim Brandstatter has been the voice of the lions on the local AM radio station, WJR 760 in Detroit for the past 31 years Growing up in Detroit as a Lions fan, I don't, I couldn't even begin to put a number to how many games I heard him call on the radio. He was just fired by the radio station, kind of out of the blue. You know, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes or whatever. It sounds like they're just trying to get a little younger and, 
and go in a different direction. But Jim Branstetter is going to be sorely missed. To me, it changes the face of Detroit radio, especially Lions broadcasting. Um, he's one of those guys that, you know, you could you could just you could turn off the TV, listen to Jim Branstetter call the game, and it was, you know, one of those comforting things. Uh, so Jim Branstetter is going to be my third guy. I would love to listen to him talk about his 31 years covering the Lions. Well, I, I think that that's great. And I appreciate you sharing that because one of the guys I'm going to mention is one of the reasons why I got into to podcasting. But I, I heard you misspeak there. And I just want to make sure I clear this up. I will make you said Barry Sanders is the best running back of all time. Oh, I did not name not named Bo Jackson. OK, go ahead. <laughs> well, if we're playing Tecmo Bowl, maybe that's true. <laughs> that's, that's correct. <laughs> Sweep left. Bo Jackson. Unstoppable. Love it. All right. Well, I'm gonna go, before I, I'll, I'll go last, as, as a good host should. So I want to pass it over to Seth. Seth, uh, t- tell us uh, who you're spending the day with. Well, uh, I'm a little taken aback by um, the three threesomes at the beginning of this. So I was trying to think rapidly, like, hmm, can I put together three threesomes in the in this time? Uh, I'm not gonna try and rush it. So I'll just go with the guys that I was thinking of originally. And uh, first it was Bill Murray was one of my guys as well. Uh, The man is just a freaking legend and just so funny, so laid back, does whatever he wants and doesn't care what happens. But he's not like a jerk about it, which is a kind of a rare combination. Then um, I Abraham Lincoln is somebody who's always fascinated me as like a leader uh, person and um, just how he his legacy from the civil war and American history is just, uh, almost unparalleled. I would say, um, that that's a debate for another day. And then I guess I'm going to do one of each of the threesomes and, um, Jennifer Aniston is somebody I've always had a celebrity crush on. So I think all three together in the, in just a, a golf foursome for the day would be quite interesting. All right. Well, you mentioned Bill Murray. Now, Bill Murray is quite the accomplished golfer himself. I've seen him several times in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Do you have the game? Because out of everybody else that I've heard mentioned, I don't know if their golf game's quite on the level of Bill Murray. Oh, absolutely not. That's I honestly <laughs> don't know if Jennifer Aniston golfs, but I kind of doubt it. And that's the only that doesn't uh, matter. One of the reasons though. that's one. Of, yeah, that's true. But that's also one of the reasons uh, I have someone who's not probably good at golf along, just so I feel a little bit better about myself. All right. Well, I I, I uh, was inspired by Scott Empire over there in Minnesota, so I, I have two. Uh, I I will start quickly with the beautiful women one because uh, that hit home, and I also <laughs> had Jennifer Aniston in in that. I just remember her. I'm uh, when Friends was on. I remember that show, and she was she was all that. Uh, then in the like the next I don't know five or eight years after that, Jessica Biel. If you've ever seen. Uh, the the Chuck and Larry movie with Adam Sandler and uh, the, the the guy from the King of Queens. Speaking show. my language right now. Yeah, J- Jessica Biel. This last Beale. person is who I think it is. I'm gonna lose my mind. Uh, I, I I don't know. Now I'm a big Marvel movies buff, um, and Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. Holy cow! Um, hmm. Just uh, uh, it kind of fits two demographics. One, I'm a Marvel nerd. I'm a comic book book nerd in general. Uh, but but Scarlett Johansson, and then the other one, I'm also pretty much a meathead. Uh, and and the first one, these are all guys that uh, 
they're also birds of a feather. The first one, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, he hosts his own podcast. It was the first podcast that I ever listened to, and I'm still listening to 400-some-odd episodes later. Uh, it drops t- twice a week. He just seems like a real interesting person, and he inspired me to inspires me to be a better podcast host. He does tons of research on anyone that he has on the show. He gives great introductions, which is why I try to give – try. And I don't know how good they are. I try to give good introductions when – I'm hosting the show. The other one's Dana White. Dana White is a guy that was taking an industry in mixed martial arts, and it was failing. And he he uh, convinced two brothers, uh, the Fertitta brothers in Las Vegas, to invest about $40 million in this new upstart sport called MMA. And a couple of years back, they sold this entity for over $4 billion. And you don't do that by accident. I mean, this is a guy that's that got a bunch of fancy business degrees or anything, just a really smart, smart guy. And the last guy happens to be another podcast host because I think everybody's got one these days. But his name's Mark Bell. Um, he calls himself the Meathead Millionaire. This is a guy who's created a powerlifting magazine, powerlifting supplies, things of that nature, and it just seems to be a really interesting guy. He's self-made, uh, knows how to promote in this world. So... Those are my uh, my two foursomes, or I guess I would be the fourth in both groups. Hey, Randy, can I jump in and say I'm kind of shocked that Gronk wasn't on that list? Because I know what a big fan you are. He would I be thought... in my football one. If I had to do a football <laughs> one real quick, it would be Bo Jackson, Gronk, and Steve Smith okay. of the Carolina Panthers. Right. I thought for sure when you said meatheads that Gronk would be <laughs> right well, But, but th- th- this guy would totally is. Uh, Mark Bell, if, if you, you don't know who he is, you can find him on Instagram. It's at Mark Smelly Bell. His nickname is Smelly because he all, all he did as a kid growing up was play sports. And he always came in the house smelling bad. So his brothers nicknamed him Smelly. Uh, just a really interesting success story. And this guy uh, built this, I don't call it an empire because it's powerlifting. How big could it possibly be? But this guy did it all himself. And he did it via YouTube and a podcast and social media. And it's just a a really interesting 2017, you know, 18 success story. So those are my two. Um, so that is our little non-football segment. I will continue to do that. Uh, I've got one coming up with JD from the GOAT District where we're going to discuss IPA beers. I have no idea what non-football topics I'm going to cover with Shane Manella and Walker from the Dynasty Football Factory, but stay tuned for that. So now we're going to move over to the main event, and the main event is the NFC North. Now, Seth and MJ were naturals. MJ is one of the biggest Lion fans that I know, along with my uh, best buddy Jim. And Seth, if you ever listen to the Fantasy Football Fellas, and if you're not, shame on you. Him and his co-host, Kyle August, uh, at KyleFFFellas on Twitter, it's one of my favorite podcasts. I still listen every Tuesday and Thursday. They mix it up a little bit in-season but you can find them wherever you find us, uh, iTunes, where where have you. Um, but but that's a really good one. And then Scott, Scott being the Minnesota guy, uh, he kind of ratted himself out saying that he used to be a Brett Favre fan. But that's okay. But since Scott is the, the, the newest member of this tribe tonight, Scott, I'm going to let you go ahead and go first and break down the 2018 Minnesota Vikings for us. Thank you very much. Um... Obviously, we start with the uh, brand new shiny toy here in Minnesota, um, Kirk Cousins. He comes from uh, the Washington, the team in Washington, um, with uh, three seasons in a row of over 4,500 total yards, 30 TDs. Um, 
can't see that changing a whole lot um, unless something catastrophic injury-wise happens. With him and DiFilippo um, kind of running the offense with offensive you know, solid offensive players all around him, which we'll get to in a minute. I can't see anything lower than a similar number of around 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns total. Um, last year, he got about he got four touchdowns rushing. I see that probably going down a little bit, but I think it, he'll make up for it in other areas, yards and touch and passing touchdowns. Um, next, we'll go to Delvin Cook. Um, he was on pace for 1,900 total yards last year prior to his injury. Um, tons of talent, um, can run, can catch. Um, he came came down with a pretty severe injury, which um, kind of hindered him, but uh, all reports here show that he's back to a full 100%. He was ahead of uh, all metrics um, after the, the, the OTAs, so he's looking to be a real solid, uh, um, have a real solid year. Um, I really like Dalvin Cook. Uh, I think people are reaching a little bit for him if you're using your mid first round pick, but late first round, early second, he's a, he's a good good value there. Um, another one that might be a good, definitely a good handcuff, but might be somebody to keep an eye on is Latavius Murray. Um, in the last couple of years, he's averaged. Uh, three years total, he's uh, he's had 3,000 total yards and 26 touchdowns. For a guy who's never really been the starter, that's an insane amount of production. Um, obviously, he took over as the starter once Cook went out, but um, you know, 3,000 yards and 26 TDs in three seasons is is nothing to scoff at. So maybe keep him in mind as kind of a late round flyer, um, possibly in like best ball leagues, because if if something happens similar to last year, he'll be the guy in Minnesota. Um, switching over to wide receivers, um, they've got the two big studs, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Um, Thielen steadily has risen, risen through the ranks. He's a local boy. Um, in the last couple of years, he's really taken off. Uh, he's got upside with you know Cousins in the mix. To be a top five, top ten receiver, um, as long as you know, he gets the targets and that's kind of an interesting thing because they do have a lot of other options, um, in the passing game, but I think his ability and his, um, kind of his growth over the last couple of years, make him, uh, probably the number one wide receiver in Minnesota in my eyes. Um, now that could definitely change if Stefan Diggs, who's only 24 takes the next step. Um, the only cons with him is he's he's had some groin, some knees, some hip injuries. He's kind of always been a little nicked up. So he's never gotten to a thousand yards in his career yet. Um, he's never really done the you know huge season like the Antonio Bryant or the DeAndre Hopkins kind. But he he's got that type of talent if he can put it all together. Um, I think Pro Football Focus did a an analysis on contested catches, and he was right up at the top with, uh, with you know, all the studs in the NFL. So um, if he stays healthy, if he can stay on the field, definitely going to be a solid contributor. Um, I would knock him a little bit just because um, of the those injuries, so I wouldn't put him as quite as high as Thielen. Um, so then to go to tight end, we've got Kyle Rudolph, um, and he's an interesting cat because of the change in offensive coordinator um Kyle Rudolph typically gets you know 50 catches and eight touchdowns right well when DiFilippo 
is the coach of the tight end, those tight ends usually gain a ton of targets and a ton of red zone, especially. Um, Gary Barnage went for 1,009 in his year under DiFilippo, and then Ertz has gone for 808 last year under DiFilippo. So I'm expecting big things from Rudolph, and I think the fantasy community still hasn't connected those dots, so you could probably get him at a pretty good value in almost any draft right now. Uh, um, oh, do you guys sorry. have any... Um, any yes, uh, I'm going to poke some holes in it, but yeah. I want to give Seth or MJ yeah. a chance to poke first. I actually, I, if you don't mind, I would like to kind of try to shine a little bit of a light on Tyler Conklin at tight end also. Um, he's a guy, he's only 22 years old, was drafted in the fifth round of this past draft out of Central Michigan, but I, he's got tight end size, 6'4", 240, and he actually did pretty well. And obviously, you know, the, the CMU is, is in the MAC conference. You're not playing great competition. But this is a kid that in three years playing at CMU had 83 receptions for 1,159 yards and, you know, 11 touchdowns. So that's it's nothing to shake a stick at. This kid could be good. And if you're just looking for production out of Cousins who likes his tight ends, this guy could be super sneaky. Now, I'm not telling you to go out there and draft him you know, in your redraft leagues or anything. But if you got an extra bench spot on your dynasty, I think you might be able to do worse than this kid. No, I, I, I agree because I talked about Tyler Conklin a uh, while back earlier in the summer. I think it was in May when I dropped in with the Aussie guys. Uh, we did a tight end breakdown pre-rookie draft, uh, and Conklin was one of the guys I like. Uh, Seth, do you have any questions about the Vikings before I ask? So the Stefan Diggs thing, I guess – I, I like him a lot. I think he's one of the better receivers. So I totally agree with you in the talent department. He could be one of the best in the NFL if he got that shot and he was able to stay healthy. Um, my concern is, are, do you think that the Vikings offense is able to like sustain two top-end wide receivers in Thielen and Diggs at the same time? Uh, personally, I they did it last year with Case Keenum. Um, now, they weren't top end like top 10, but they both were around 1,000 yards and both had, you know, over 100 targets. So, I mean, and DiFilippo does like to, to throw the ball. I mean, Carson Wentz was on a torrid pace last year before the knee. So I do think they will have plenty of targets to go around. They also um, signed Kendall Wright. Um uh, from your Bears last year, he could end up snagging some targets, which could hurt Diggs and Thielen as well. Um, but if if they stick with the two two receivers, one tight end, two running backs types of uh, um, you know formations, those guys will definitely have plenty of uh, of upside in production. You gotcha. mentioned Kendall. And Wright. one sorry, one quick question is. Uh, from the guy who is able to listen to like the local radio stuff, is Laquan Treadwell ever going to be a thing? Oh, that's what I was just going to ask. I, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, MJ. I stole your thunder. No, that's all right. I just saw a report that he was running as the number three in OTAs. So I wondered, Kendall Wright or Treadwell, which guy is going to win out? So um, according to the last two years, um, Laquan's been in the doghouse. Um, he hasn't really been um, able to run the routes. He hasn't really known the playbook. And he's kind of just been lacking in the mental capacity. 
So he hasn't had his chance. He was uh, the gunner on the punt team, and that's where he was making his um, his no, you know, his name known in the first year. Yeah. Last year he got a little bit more on the field. He definitely has improved, and he has moved up the depth chart. I think personally he's still a step behind Wright, just because Wright has that. Um, you know, veteran savvy. And I think Laquan, if if he can put it together in his head, he could definitely move into He's got the talent to move into the number three. I just, I don't think he's quite connecting the dots the way um, they thought he would or the way that they expected when they drafted him in the first round. All right. Well, I, I have a couple of questions as well as it relates to Thielen and Diggs. And I've, I've always brought this up, but even though Kirk Cousins has had 4,500 passing yards three years in a row, he's never produced a PPR wide receiver one. And I, I don't think that Garcon and Deshaun Jackson, who were his receivers most of that time, would have been as good as Thielen and Diggs. But I do agree with the Rudolph thing. I, I am all about Kyle Rudolph this year. But I, I am concerned. I'm mostly concerned about Stefan Diggs. I still like Thielen. I think he'll be the lead or the alpha I just my concern with with Diggs is that he's never played. He played 13 games, 13 games, 14 games. He he did have his best TD season last year with eight, but but he's the 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 one that worries me. Where where would you be drafting him in, in redraft and or dynasty? So uh, if you look at his stats last year, you're right. He he missed a couple games, um, like I said, with the hip groin situation, but the last three or four games of the regular season he scored a touchdown and then um everybody remembers the uh, minneapolis miracle here where he made that 80 yard touchdown on the last play of the game and i think he's really taken these um these steps forward and and, and use that to kind of improve his confidence improve his you know I mean, he's coming into his 24th year. He's going to be in his prime. So I do think he's going to be, if he, like I said, if he can avoid the injury, I think he'll be a very good receiver. I have been, um, I, I've seen him going uh, third, fourth round, and I don't, I don't think I would go there. But if he slid any further than that, I would probably look at snagging him, depending obviously on the league and how uh, the scoring is set up. Very cool. All right, Seth. Uh... Take us to those monsters of the midway. Your Chicago Bears. The Bears. The Bears. All right. So everybody wants to talk about how the Bears are potentially this year's version of the Rams from 2017. There are a lot of parallels here. You have a old busted head coach that just wasn't doing anything. It was in the Stone Age high school offense. In John Fox, he's been kicked out. You had a first-year quarterback who was put in that terrible situation and looked pretty bad in Mitchell Trubisky. And then you had a pretty good run game, but you had uh, no wide receiver talent. And coming into the end of the season, you surrounded your young quarterback with a lot of wide receiver talent. All of those things have happened in Chicago, and I'm so excited about it. So Mitchell Trubisky this year, I think, thinking about him from a fantasy perspective, you have to throw out last year entirely. Consider it a redshirt season. Nothing about Mitchell Trubisky's game last year has any bearing on what he could be doing this year. He's got a, a much better team around him. He's got a better head coach. And he's got a uh, better supporting uh, 
coaching staff around him as well in terms of offensive coordinator and all of that stuff. So I'm excited about the potential of Mitchell Trubisky, although I, as a, um, a true northerner here, I'm uh, only cautiously optimistic. I'm, I'm ready for the other shoe to drop and it just to be a massive bust all around. But that's eight years of Jay Cutler uh, talking. So I think that Mitchell Trubisky could definitely be an excellent quarterback. I'm very excited to see what he's going to do this year. And throwing the ball to my new favorite player, uh, basically, Allen Robinson. I was very excited getting Allen Robinson. There was a couple of big names that we thought that could come to the Bears. Robinson was on my short list. And when we ended up getting him, I'm just like, this is a steal. This is perfect. He was able to do so much with so, so little in Blake Bortles and the Jags a couple of years ago that if you we're going to assume health right now. So assuming he comes back from the ACL tear without any problems and we have no reason to believe that he won't at this time, I think he will truly be a monster in the midway uh, in terms of a wide receiver that something we haven't seen. I think he could be better than Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall the past few years um, when in their good seasons in Chicago. I think that's the potential for this still very young wide receiver. And then of course, uh, Taylor Gabriel, a guy that's uh, near and dear to my heart just because of the big playability. And he helped me win a championship a couple of years ago. Uh, There's just the, Kyle, uh, my co-host, called the uh, wide receiver core last year for the Bears just a bunch of towel boys because there was not a professional wide receiver on that roster until we traded for Dontrell Inman from the Chargers in midseason. So uh, I guess Kendall Wright is – sorry, I'm not interested in Kendall Wright at all. But uh, I think that Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson, and now – uh, now our, our new kid, Anthony Miller, I almost said Antonio Miller and I don't know why, uh, Anthony Miller is somebody I don't think will have much fantasy impact this year, but I'm excited to see what he might be able to do opposite of a big name guy like Allen Robinson. All right. I know MJ's been waiting for this the entire time. <laughs> oh, I, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> and just, let's talk about the run game. I saved the best for last. Jordan Howard, what's he going to do in this new offense under Matt Nagy? I tend to think that last year I was down on Jordan Howard because I didn't think that he would be able to repeat his touchdown performance and just overall like just blowing people away talent-wise. And I was right to a degree. He still ended up being a, a top 15 running back last year, depending on scoring format. But that was honestly because John Fox didn't know any other play to run other than just, no, no, give it to Howard and run the ball. Uh, let's just three downs and punt. Let's get off the field and we'll leave the our mediocre defense to deal with that. That's not what Nagy's going to do. This guy comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree. There's going to be some trick plays. There's going to be some smart play calling going on in Chicago for the first time in a long time, and I'm very excited about it. However, what that means is Jordan Howard is no longer the only guy in town. Tariq Cohen is a guy that I think will absolutely uh, take a much larger role than he did last season. Just because 
you don't you you have a playmaker on your team. I think that you have to use him. I think Nagy is a guy that recognizes this. He's already said as much in the offseason. Um, and when you look at Cohen and the explosive playmaking ability that he has, I think that's definitely going to eat into Jordan's overall uh, production. Now, all that being said, he's still a top 15 back running back for me in both formats, in PPR and standard. So I, I still think that Jordan Howard is a good running back, but I'm not a guy that thinks he, he can be like a top five player. All right. Well, did, 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 excuse me. Did you talk about Trey Burton at all? Did, did oh, of you course. Mention? I was so excited about talking about the yeah, running backs. About I forgot about the tight ends. I mean, you're yeah, right. He was like, uh, it was like on Christmas morning, you get the really good gift, the big gift. And sometimes that, that was Allen Robinson. And I think it overshadowed the secondary gift that your Bears got in free agency, which was Trey Burton. Completely agree. You, you could not have said it better myself. Uh, Burton, I think, is very exciting because he is the he's the Evan Ingram, Jimmy Graham, even Travis Kelsey to agree type of tight end where he's not out there to block. He's not out there to, to stay in the line. And he is going out for passes. That's what he does or throwing passes and touchdowns in some cases. Um, so that's a real possibility. I think that they drafted Adam Shaheen, who's just a ginormous human being uh, for a reason, and they um, they know what they have with him. And they kept Deion Sims as well, so they have their blocking tight ends. Trey Burton is the guy that he will be able to be that kind of uh, almost third. Uh, I think he'll be the third pass catcher in that offense. It'll be Allen Robinson and then either Anthony Miller or Taylor Gabriel and then um, and then Trey Burton. So I think he's somebody that you can has a lot of upside in in the tight end realm. Um, the uh, we're releasing our tight end episode on Thursday of this week, I believe. So y'all uh, you'll see or hear in there. I'll give you a little sneak preview. He's my number eight tight end, just because I think he does have that upside for sure. All right. Well, I will poke holes in your Bears first, and then I'll pass it to one of the other the other two guys. I, I agree with the running back calls wholeheartedly. One thing, and I, I should have brought this up when we talked about Dalvin Cook, and this is a Stefania Bell thing. She mentioned this last year, and I wish I had listened because I didn't, and I sold Keenan Allen in one of my dynasty leagues. That players coming back from ACL injuries start off slow. You know, even you know that's a long time to be away, and you could think the same thing for Andrew Luck coming back from the shoulder injury, missing an entire season. And if you can find an impatient owner that's not satisfied because he made a big investment in Allen Robinson or Dalvin Cook, and he's not getting that return on his investment, that's the kind of uh, play I'm looking to make around October, November. But I, I want to hear more about Anthony Miller. Um, what, what are you seeing in this kid? And uh, where are you drafting him in your rookie drafts of the ones that you had and if you were uh, to have any coming up, where are you looking to draft Anthony Miller? rookie? Yeah, this is interesting because one of the the players that I was super interested in, uh, the receivers coming into this draft, was Michael Gallup. So I'm just like, this guy th seems perfect for what we would need in Chicago. He's a great route runner. He doesn't need to be a big X receiver type guy. That's what Allen Robinson does. And I think that would just be a perfect compliment. So when we ended up taking Anthony Miller, I was a little bit put out just because I had been hyping myself up for like the Michael Gallup show up here. But after we drafted him, I took a, another look at 
who Anthony Miller is, what he's done, and what his playmaking style is. And I'm kind of excited. I think that this. Uh, I think that he has the the makings of an excellent wide receiver too in the NFL, which can definitely be a um, a valuable fantasy asset uh, for sure. So for rookie drafts, I had a I'm in I had a dynasty league where we were doing a rookie draft and I have very little depth in this in this league. I had pretty good depth everywhere else except at wide receiver. And I wasn't able to make any trade going into this. So I kind of called my shot and I traded my 2019 first rounder to be able to pick up Anthony Miller. And um, yeah, kind of straight up, basically. Okay. Well, I, I'm certainly hot. But before I let you and uh, MJ lock horns, I'm going to pass it over to Scott real quick. Scott, what uh, questions do you have for Seth about these Bears? Not so many questions. You did a very good job, Seth. Um, I actually was doing a little research on their strength of schedule this year. Um, I don't see a tough matchup on the schedule until week 11 against Minnesota. And then they they miss Minnesota until week 17, so after the fantasy season. So I, I am quite high on all these Bears, especially the ones that are you know kind of newer to the team, just because they don't have a tough schedule. They got a lot of... Out of plus matchups, and with Trubisky getting a year with Nagy, I, I, I do see um, some really solid fantasy productions. So I am high uh, on the Bears. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I'd say if you can find deals out there, and, and, and it's a good way to go. All right. Well, I'm going to channel my uh, inner Mills Lane real quick. If you don't know who Mills Lane is, uh, Google him. But I'm going to look at Seth. Are you ready? Uh, let Bring it on. Let's MJ, do it. are you ready? I'm ready. Let's get it on. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like Randers is hyping me up a little bit much because I don't dislike most of the things you said. I think the Bears are a team on the rebound. I think they're rebuilding the right way. I think they found good coaching. I think they did a good job with Anthony Miller. Um, I mean, if you want to sort of pick nits here, um, I really don't think Tabor, Taylor Gabriel is going to be – much of a, a fantasy commodity this year because I do think Anthony Miller is that good. Um, in fact, him and Trey Burton, between the two, I'm not really sure who the second best wide receiver on this team is going to be. Um, if anyone has ever heard me talk on a podcast, they know I like Allen Robinson a whole bunch. So I, I totally agree with that take. But Anthony Miller is somebody you might be sleeping on a bit. Taylor Gabriel, I wouldn't be excited for him at all as far as fantasy goes. But other than that, yeah, I like the Bears. This is a tough division this year, I think. I completely right. agree on the tough division part. Um, it, it's, I think the Bears are definitely uh, clearly on the bottom end of the, of the division, but it truly could be anybody's division this year, as much as good as the Vikings are. But you just have, you have so many unknowns, like the... If the Bears truly are the Rams from this past year, they're gonna they could be a real force, and you can never count out Aaron Rodgers if he's on the field. And then of course the Lions, uh, with a with a little bit of defense, like at all, um, or a bit of a running game, they can absolutely be a force uh, to be reckoned with. All right. Well, I I love that analysis and breakdown. One thing I'll say about the Bears before I throw it to MJ to break down the Lions is that 
uh, Anthony Miller, Trey Burton, and Allen Robinson all have an equal shot of being Mitch Trubisky's favorite target. He has zero rapport with any of them. Totally and for my redraft leagues this year, I will be watching intently this Bears passing game in preseason and in camp leading up to the season because I want to see who it looks like uh, Trubisky is gelling with. But And now let's go over to Detroit and talk about them Lions, MJ. Sorry, and let me just throw in one more Bears stat. Sure. I know I've said on this podcast before, but Allen Robinson, to, to kind of compound on Randy's point there, Allen Robinson and Mitch Trubisky are less than a year apart in age. So Trubisky, you know, he's going to gel with somebody. We just don't know who it's going to be. And this offense looks good on paper. So, all right, so let's go over to the Lions now. Um, Seth, at the end of, of his conversation there, brought up a couple points about the Lions. The defense, the defense is still going to struggle. Um, I am going to talk about that, I think, in a little bit. But this was a team that went into the draft, and, you know, the big conversation was who were they going to take for an edge rusher or defensive tackle. Well, they didn't address that until the fourth round of the draft. So this defense is still – it's going to have its problems for sure. Um, it kind of – it almost feels like the same old Lions in, in that regard, kind of questionable drafting strategies. But for fantasy purposes – we're going to look at the offensive guys. Matthew Stafford, of course, I think everybody is is sort of aware of Matthew Stafford. I think, to be perfectly honest with you, I think Matthew Stafford kind of catches a bad rap as far as fantasy goes. If you look at his rankings starting with the 2017 season and working back, he was QB number 7, number 7, number 9, number 15, number 7, number 9, and number 5 in those years. He is consistent. Um and the number five year, by the way, was the year that Calvin Johnson caught like a million balls for eight billion yards. So, I mean, that, that kind of skewed that. A Just little. rounding that's a those numbers. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, those aren't exact stats, but they're close, I think. Um, so, they're, they're, in my book, I think there's like there's three things probably that keep Stafford from being like an elite fantasy quarterback. I think number one to this point is lack of a run game. I'm going to talk about those guys in a bit. I think number two that has haunted us for a long time is a suspect offensive line. This year, we've got a, a healthy Taylor Decker right now. we got rookie Frank Ragnow coming in to help out. And, uh, you know, we have the, the center, Glasgow, who was one of the better centers in the league last year. So, I, you know, it, as a Lions fan, you get kind of uh, tentative in your belief of, about the team. But... The offensive line looks really good on paper, so hopefully we're heading in the right direction there. I talked about the defense. It's still a problem. Defensive line is going to be bad, probably. Secondary, I don't know. Maybe it's a bit better, but if the opposing quarterback has all day to throw the ball because we're not getting any pressure on him, it's it's going to be kind of the same situation where Stafford's off the field a lot of the time because the defense can't sit the other offense down. So, I think Stafford's he's a solid, safe quarterback, usually outplays his perceived value, which in, in startup and redraft ADPs is usually around QB 11. But, you know, as I told you with the ranks before, he hasn't hit worse than QB 11 except for one time in the past seven years. So Stafford's a good guy. Um, I, I want to jump first to the guy he's throwing the balls to. We got Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. They're wide receiver 1 and 1A one for this team, really. Tate gets the volume. Jones usually gets the bigger plays. Both are consistent. 
neither one of them seem to be like super sexy i don't think except for guys who are really kind of plugged in they're usually overlooked a little bit undervalued every year golden tate and marvin jones were actually the only two or combo of wide receivers in the nfc north to log over a thousand yards each last season so so they are they're it's a good tandem as far as wide receivers go both of these guys last year, depending on your league scoring, of course, they were both low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. So, And I honestly, I don't know how much that's going to change this year. The one guy who's going to be an X-factor in that, Kenny Galladay, sort of a Twitter you know, fantasy, especially dynasty darling, 6'4", 213. I personally like the idea of him being a bigger factor in the red zone with the departure of Eric Ebron, but I'm not... You know, to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure it's going to work out that way with the run game being somewhat beefed up in my mind. And another guy I'm actually going to talk about later. But I do, however, believe that uh, um, Galladay, this may sound like a hot take, but I don't know if it really is. I think from based on the flashes that I saw last year, I think he might become the wide receiver one for this team at some point. Maybe not this year, maybe two, three years down the road. I think he's got that kind of talent. So I keep an eye on Galladay. I'm I'm a big fan of him and what I think he's going to do in Detroit. But let's talk about the the run game that I alluded to earlier. It's completely retooled for 2018. Legarrette Blunt's in town. He's got a history with Matt Patricia, the new head coach from the days in in New England. I think he could get courtesy a quote unquote starting running back job when the season starts. But he's 31. To me, he's not attractive as a dynasty asset other than a possible touchdown vulture, and good luck guessing when that's going to be. on Johnson, he's the guy you want to know. He's the most talented running back on this team, I think. This guy can work between the tackles, and actually, kind of in college, he did a lot of running outside, you know, on the edge type runs too. Um, and on tape, obviously in limited work, but he looks like he's got kind of smooth hands as far as pass catching ability goes too. So in the pros, I don't think he's going to do you know some out much outside work. I think he's going to be that that grinder between the tackles. Um, but he was all state in high school basketball, and I know how much people love that stat. To me, he's got the most upside for the future, and the guy you want to own in dynasty. Theo Riddick is still in that backfield too. He's the PPR guy you want. He's not you know going to go crazy or finish as a as a top 10 running back or anything but he's always going to catch a whole bunch of balls he's going to be right there good flex option i think but with these guys all these guys i mentioned having roles it's probably going to lead to a mess as far as the production is concerned again just to reiterate carry on johnson i think he's the real deal he's the guy you want on your dynasty team uh riddick he's going to be a flex option blunt i i would fade him i don't you know again He's going to score touchdowns. You don't know when it's going to be. Leave him alone. Tight end. This was So when I went into this exercise, this was the hardest part for me because you have Luke Wilson on the team. He's the sort of presumptive number one. Uh, came over from Seattle this year. You get into the territory of a tight end on a new team running a new scheme, you know, in Jim Bob Cooter's offense. La- over the... Five seasons he had in Seattle, he had 89 receptions for 1,129 yards, 11 touchdowns. It's possible he was held back largely due to the poor offensive line that forced him into blocking roles, and then later by Jimmy Graham sort of becoming that guy. Um, 
but it's hard to say again you know it's a tight end coming to a new system in a new town so i i don't know if it's going to be luke wilson or the other guy that i i i kind of hinted at earlier michael roberts on this team he's 24 years old out of toledo he looks great on tape if you go find his toledo highlights he looks exceptional he's 6'5 265 in his years at Toledo, he had 70 receptions for 832, 22 touchdowns, including 16 his senior year. He's a guy who seems like a dark horse to me. If if Galladay isn't the guy to get Ebron's workload, I think Michael Roberts could be the guy the more I watch him on tape. I, I think he's a deep sort of uh, tight end flyer for dynasty purposes. So that's all I got on the Lions. You guys feel free to shoot me down. I'm ready. All right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start because I have uh, two statements and uh, a question for you. Sure. Uh, my first statement is is about Matthew Stafford, probably the most criminally underrated premium quarterback in the league. The the guys had, uh, I believe it's seven straight seasons of 4,200 or more passing yards and 21 TDs, and those are his floors in the in those seasons. So can we put some respect on his name when we talk about Matthew Stafford? The, the other one is, is on Johnson. Um, I've seen him, and a lot of times, between him and Ronald Jones as the last rookie drafted in rookie drafts, and I think that's a shame. What I like about on Johnson is, A, he's got a true three-down skill set. And the second, when he runs the ball, he always gets positive yardage. He reminds me of Frank Gore in that capacity. If, if you block him for one, he's going to get you one. If you block him three, he'll get you three. And he's just a solid guy. And then the last thing, uh, my question, this is not just for MJ, but the entire dynasty and fantasy community, is the the rookie they drafted, Frank Ragnow. Can we please refer to him as Frank Ragnarok just from, from now on? <laughs> it'll it'll satisfy the uh, the Marvel fan of me. So Frank Ragnarok, <laughs> new offensive lineman, Detroit he's Lions. Got to get a few pancakes before yeah. that happens. Yeah. All right, Seth. What what do you got for MJ for these Lions? All right. So my questions are around the running backs. I uh, my question. I assume you're taking Jordan Howard over Carry On Johnson in terms of dynasty value. Yes. Yes, I would say okay. so. It's close though. I think it's closer for me than most people. Let's put it that way. Fair enough. Um, so, who would you rather have, Tariq Cohen or Theo Riddick? Um, I think. I think that's a close one as far as dynasty is concerned. Um, so Riddick has the age on him, obviously. You know, he's he's actually 27 years old, which it doesn't seem that old until you're talking about running backs. But, um, I mean, this is a guy who consistently catches 50 balls. The past three years, he's had over 50 balls that he's caught. So from a, a PPR perspective, he's always right there. And, and this team... It's not a team that's going to stop throwing the ball. Again, their defense is so bad that their offense is going to need to throw the ball all the time. So I think Riddick is a guy who's probably going to stick around at least for a couple more years. Um, when you talk Cohen and sort of the new offensive system that the Bears might be running, he's, he's an interesting – maybe let me put it this way. I think Cohen might have the higher ceiling but lower floor. Um, sure. Because I think if he gets put into the role that they sort of maybe envision him having in Chicago, I think he could kind of blow up in that system. 
Um, so it just sort of depends on your preference. I think Riddick is probably the safe guy, but Cohen would be the uh, lotto ticket type player. All right. And then, Scott, what do you got for MJ? MJ, I was just wondering, um, what do you think the uh, new coach, Matt Patricia, will change uh, or, like, who will benefit and who will, you know, kind of suffer from from him coming in and taking over and, you know, what kind of influence will he have on Jim Bob Cooter? So what sort of intrigues me about the Matt Patricia move with the Lions is when you start thinking about, obviously, Patricia's a defensive guy and he comes from New England. Um, how much is he really going to take away from offensive scheme as far as the Patriots go? The only thing you could maybe be sort of point to as far as that goes is guys sort of inconsistently having solid weeks as far as fantasy is concerned. The Lions sort of do that anyway. Um especially in the backfield, you know, it's, it's this big thing. New England always, you can't count on their running backs because it's always somebody new Detroit's, you know, was doing that before it was cool. So <laughs> I, uh, I honestly don't know. I mean, the, the Detroit's backfield's always been a mess. You don't know who's going to score. I talked about the two wide receivers, both having thousand yard seasons. You, you, you know, good luck guessing which week is going to be which guy. Um, I honestly don't know how much the offense is going to change. Jim Bob Cooter has been here for a while now, and he's sort of got a system in place. And, and obviously Patricia liked what he saw because he kept him around. So as a defensive guy, I honestly, you know, my gut feeling is that he's really not going to change much with this offense. All right. Well, thank you, MJ. Well, I'm, I'm going to take you through the, uh, the land of uh, milk and cheese, and that's Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm going to start with a quarterback. His name's Aaron Rodgers. If you haven't heard of him, he's good at football. Analysis. Um, I stole that from Kyle. Uh, <laughs> since, since 2008, here has been his finishes as a QB. QB 2, 1, 2, 1, 2, 22, 1, 7, 1, and 29. The only thing that slows this guy down is his collarbones. I think it's made out of that same material as Leonard Fournette's ankles. But if they can find him some kind of special flak jacket to keep his collarbones intact, I mean, like a this scarf. Guy, yeah, something like, like like a Teflon or like a titanium scarf or something. Um, that that would be fantastic. But yeah, he uh, he is again good, he's good at football. He's my QB one, even in a startup. I know Carson Wentz is younger, and I know Deshaun Watson set the world on fire last year. That's cool. You can have the the new hotness. I'll take the old tried and true. Aaron Rodgers is a lock for me. I'll move over to the running back situation, and it's it's gotten pretty murky. Uh, Aaron Jones. So the positive news is is he gained a little bit of a uh, little bit of weight in the off season. The bad news is is that he's going to miss the first two games of the season. He gone. He gone. Uh, Jamal Williams. Uh, th- this is a guy that has seen his ADP in the last week since the suspension news, has seen that shot up. And then there's still the, the, the presence of Ty Montgomery. You know, I don't think it matters. For me, the guy I want in this running back field is the guy that I can get last and I can get cheapest. And up until the Jones news, it was Ty Montgomery. His ADP was in like the, the 13th round and it's crept up to the 8th round, which could still be value. But the fantasy footballers on one of their shows, and I always try to give credit when I use some something that someone else has presented to me, is that they you know talked about how last year on running back ones, eight of the 12 finished on playoff teams. 
The other four that didn't make the playoffs were Melvin Gordon, which barely missed, Zeke, which might have had he not been suspended for six games, and then Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. But outside of that, the other eight of the top 12 running backs were all on good teams. I anticipate Green Bay being a good team. And I'll compare it to the New England backfield. And last year, uh, Rex Burkhead averaged 13 points a game. Deion Lewis averaged 12.3 points a game. And James White averaged 9.6 a game. So you could see where on a successful team with a really good quarterback uh, in a competitive division where you have to try to move the ball, especially when the weather gets bad. You know, it's not always easy to air it out in bad weather. So just get you a slice of this running game. Uh, you can You can get someone cheap. You know, do your research. Find the one you like. Me personally, again, I'm cheap. I'll, I'll take Ty Montgomery because everybody seems to be hyper focused on Jones or Williams. So I'll be more than happy to take Ty Montgomery and hopefully he carves out more of a Chris Thompson and Washington role than a James White role. But I think all these guys could have value. Going to kick it over to the wide receivers. I will start with Kyle from the fellas' uh, favorite wide receiver, King Money, Devontae Adams. Uh, <laughs> If there's ever been a guy on the rise, I, I, I think it's him. Finished as wide receiver 9 in 2016, as wide receiver 14 last year, and that's with Brett Hundley at the helm for about half of the season. So uh, he was able to overcome that. He overcome a couple of uh, cheap concussions, especially the one from Danny Trevathan in Chicago. I know this will seem blasphemous to some, but I have – Devontae Adams as my wide receiver five in a startup right now. I have him ahead of Michael Thomas because Michael Thomas is going to have Drew Brees for maybe this year and one more. And Aaron Rodgers has got three to five good years left, which ironically, that's about how many years Devontae Adams has left. So you can get a Devontae Adams share and pair him with Aaron Rodgers for the next three to five years. I think you are looking at uh, some Kings money. The, the wide receiver I want to talk about that I think is becoming fool's gold is Randall Cobb. Now, I know he's not quite 28. He'll turn 28 just before the season. But this is a guy who has seen his ADP creep up into the top 100. He's currently, as of July 20, I'm sorry, excuse me, as of July 9th, he's currently going 93rd overall. He's going uh, right behind Chris Godwin Sheps. And he's going in front of guys. Listen to this list of names. Josh Doxson, who was a first-round NFL draft capital. He's going ahead of Emmanuel Sanders. He's going ahead of Larry Fitzgerald and Chris Hogan. I would rather have all of those guys uh, than Randall Cobb. I know everybody assumes that, hey, Jordy Nelson's gone. Someone's got to step up. In 2016, when Jordy blew out his ACL, Randall Cobb stepped up to the tune of wide receiver 25 that year. James Jones stepped up and led that team uh, as the best fantasy wide receiver in 2016 when Jordy was out with the ACL. He did have one wide receiver one season. That was in 2015. But, man, he's had two years out of his seven in the league, two years outside the top 55. And the last three years alone, in 17, he was wide receiver 35, 16, 53, and 15, wide receiver 25. I don't want any part of that, especially in the top – 100. So if you can use this news to sell Randall Cobb and show people his ADP and see if you can get out, get out from under him, cool. I'm about that action because I don't know if it's Geronimo Allison, Jamon Moore, Equinemius St. Brown, Valdez Scantling. Those are the three rookies they drafted. Um, someone will have a value. I just don't think it's Randall Cobb. He's, he's, he's the oldest 28-year-old in the league. Uh, seems like he's been around forever. It seems like he's been hurt forever. 
And speaking of hurt forever, I'm going to go over to the tight end position and talk about Jimmy Graham. Uh, you know, I heard someone mention this, and I wish I could remember who said it because I don't know if I saw it on Twitter or heard it somewhere. But uh, I haven't watched the tape, but this person said that Jimmy Graham looks worse on tape in 2017 than Antonio Gates did in 2017. And, and that's pretty eye-opening. And I know Jimmy Graham had a good year last year, but you, you start looking at this, he averaged 32.5 yards a game. He had his worst catch rate of his career by by more than 6%. He was sub-60% catch rate last year. And everybody only sees his finish, but they're hanging their hat on 10 touchdowns. Let's go back over the last three years. In 2015, he had 600 yards for two touchdowns. In 2016, he had nine. Now, he did have 923 yards and six touchdowns. But then last year, dipped back down to 520 yards and 10 touchdowns. You couple that in with the fact that the Mike McCarthy offense with Aaron Rodgers has never been a pot of gold for fantasy tight ends. I'm fading Jimmy Graham. Again, if you can use the connection to Aaron Rodgers as a reason to sell, I'm selling. But the people that I'm buying are uh, Aaron Rodgers, duh, Ty Montgomery at his current price, and hopefully he doesn't go any higher, and uh, Devontae Adams, and I'm, I'm fading Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Cobb, and Jimmy Graham. And I'll start with uh, Seth because the, the, the Packers are the, the rival of the Bears, so it makes sense to go first. Yeah, fair enough. It's, you know, uh, every season we get it's like it's the 175th time that the Packers and the Bears have played each other. Um, and the Packers have been absolutely walloping us since I can re uh, since I was watching football. So you're saying you're due. Uh, I, I certainly hope so. It'll be like two more years. Give me two more years. Rogers will be on his way out. If you somehow get Deshaun Kaiser to be a real quarterback in the NFL and it just lucked into another great quarterback. Huh. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'll do with myself, but that's far down the road. Let's talk about right now. Uh, the question about Jimmy Graham is how much, how cheap does he have to be for you to take the shot on him in a dynasty league, knowing that you're probably not going to have him for one year, you know, in a league where it's like, well, there's not a whole lot of tight ends on the waiver wire. I think that he's still definitely better than most of your streaming tight ends that you deal with uh, in a redraft league. Maybe not as much in Dynasty, but uh, what's what's the max that you're going to pay for him? Uh, like if I, if I were a Hunter Henry owner and I lost him, I would gladly give up. And I, I thought I was a contender. I would gladly give up my 20, I guess at this point, 19 second. And I know some people out there, uh, especially youth chasers, will will shoot me down and say that's too much. But the the tight end uh, position, to quote Ron, the Ron Burgundy movie, is a is a turd wrapped in burnt hair. So I, I mean, Jimmy Graham could be anywhere from tight end five to tight end fifteen. I I, I really don't know. Um, you know, s- somewhere around like that tight end ten twelve. Because to your point, I would much rather have a a, a Trey Burton. I'll be honest, I wouldn't mind rather having a Mike Gusecki and trying to get a Ricky Seals-Jones later. It's like, a, 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 how about that, a Gusecki and Ricky Seals-Jones stack versus Jimmy Graham? But, yeah, somewhere around that 8-10 to 10 round range in a startup, I guess. All right, interesting. I like it. All right, MJ, grill me. Grill me like a piece of steak. Yeah, it's tough to grill the Packers. Their offense is good every year. Um I mean, this is more of a comment, I guess, than a, than a question. But to me personally, I think the guy, well, you talked about not liking Cobb. So 
a guy I think who could really take a step is Equinemius St. Brown. I mean, this was the third wide receiver they drafted, but I almost feel like it was sort of a plan to draft at least, you know, one or two wide receivers, and they were probably surprised that he was still on the board when it came back around to the sixth round. Um, you know, he played for Notre Dame, obviously, and I've watched a lot of tape on these guys, um, Jamon Moore and, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. To me, uh, ESB is the better wide receiver. I mean, he's bigger, he's stronger. There was, you know, some concerns about him being at Notre Dame and how he had a, a terrible senior year. Um, but that team went run first. You know, they had Josh Adams and, and just the the coaching sort of made him a non-entity, Equinemius St. Brown, that is. Uh, I think he's talented. I've watched a lot of tape on these guys. And to me, he's the most talented of the three. Obviously, you know, going into training camp, he's somebody to keep an eye on if you think about trying to acquire him in Dynasty. But I really like Equinemius St. Brown. I think he's going to surprise some people and, and possibly take over that cob role. I, I think that's fair because uh, – sorry, Seth – because – they did this last year with the two running backs. They brought in Ty Montgomery. They they drafted Jones and Williams, and I think that that picture still becoming clearer. But I think they're come training camp. They're going to put Jamon Moore, uh, Saint Brown, and Valdez Scantling, and maybe even Geronimo Allison. They're just going to put all these guys in a sack, shake it up, and see what comes out. And uh, it could be survival of the fittest. And let's be honest, we we saw the combine. Equinemia Saint Brown has the tools. You know, can he put it together between the ears and, you know, get rid of his Mr. Universe dad and uh, live up to his potential? Seth, what were you going to jump in there and say? Uh, I was going to mention Geronimo Allison as like, a, a you know, is he still a viable option there? Or are we just looking at the the younger um, rookies that we, we that were just picked up here? And then the second question on that is just, is there a team in the league that has a more uncommon wide receiver name core because you got guys you have d'angelo yancey equinemius st brown <laughs> jamon moore marquez valdez scantling and like Devonte Ger- adams and that's geronimo geronimo allison like i i don't know it just i'm looking at this list of their uh yeah it's just, it, it sounds it like the horn section of a band like like a rhythm and blues band, yeah. like the horn section. Like Equinemius would play the trumpet, and Valdez would play the the saxophone. Just a very eclectic group of names. Scott, what do you got on these Packers for me? So as a lifelong Packer fan, I do agree that um, you know Aaron Rodgers is the beast. Um, one quick comment on the Packers, like as I look through their schedule, I realize that their last four fantasy football games are going to be played in terrible weather um home against arizona home against atlanta at chicago in the windy city and then at new york jets week 16 so if you are riding rogers through you know to a playoff berth and and looking to hit you know three straight solid games out of him in the playoffs you might be a little bit worried about wind rain snow and the and so forth so something to think about if you're you know kind of drafting and and rogers is still there and you're like oh i don't know should i take him um, you know, your playoffs might struggle a little bit if, uh, if, if there's a, a bad weather game. <clears throat> um, I do agree with the ESB, um, situation. I think, um, he's just 
the most most fluid. He understands the game the best out of the three that they picked. Um, I did like Allison a few times um, last year watching the Packers, but unfortunately, I think with all the the draft capital they put in the new wideouts, I think he might be the odd man out. Um, but I, like you said, I think we'll they'll put them all in a bag and they'll see who pops up. And if he wins the wide receiver three job, I think he'll have a lot of uh, targets coming his way with with the the passing game being so pro, prolific in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, yeah, the running backs. Um, I'm actually on Ty Montgomery a little more than most. Um, I think Aaron Jones' suspension's fine, and that he gained some you know weight in the offseason is fine too. I, I just think he got you know 5.5 yards a carry, but he played it in a couple games against suspect defenses last year. So maybe it's a little bit inflated. And then Jamal Williams was a plotter. He got um, 3.6 yards a game playing the last 10 or eight games of the year. But, um, you know, he did end up with 800 yards and six TDs. So if another injury were to happen to Montgomery, like it did last year, he obviously has value. So um, definitely guys to look at late in the, you know, later in the draft to, to kind of just, you know, pick his flyers. But, all great analysis by uh, by you there, Randy. Thanks for uh, for looking into that. All right. Well, listen, uh, we're running just a hair long on this one, uh, but but before I go, I want to go around the horn and thank each one of you and give you a chance to uh, tell us where the, where the the listener can find you, what you're doing, and I'll start with Scott. Scott, tell us uh, where we can find you on Twitter, what you're doing, and uh, how you can be a resource to these fine people. Uh, my Twitter handle is ff underscore evil empire. Um, I tweet it, you know, fairly often. Right now, um, I do the Dynasty Hot Routes. Um, uh, it's a weekly or bi-weekly um, on Dynasty Football Factory. Uh, it just kind of goes over some interesting topics and what would you do here if you had this or and, and stuff like that. So that's a kind of a fun little summer project. And then my um, my main objective is idp so if you guys have questions on defensive players rookies dynasty idp um you know that's where my bread and butter is i I put together the um the rookie uh, dynasty football factory um uh, review um then you can find that at um, dff.com awesome well uh seth outside of uh, every tuesday and thursday on itunes where can these uh these folks find you yeah, so uh, my Twitter handle is at SethFFFellas, although you're going to get more response out of the main handle, at the FFFellas on Twitter, uh, where me and Kyle are just a little bit more active with the main account. Uh, I, I tweet on the personal account every once in a while, but i um, always happy to uh, answer any questions that may come my way. And like Randy said, Tuesdays and Thursdays in the offseason, the fantasy football fellows drop uh, in iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, etc., wherever podcasts are found. And during the season, uh, we will have more than two episodes a week and uh, got a little bit of a fun twist to the season scheduling format going forward in this uh, new season. So stay tuned for that news. Awesome. And then the, the man that I've dubbed the uh, fantasy football free agent, Mike Jernigan. Mike, what have you been up to? Tell the, the people what's been going on since I last heard you on the war zone and uh, what to potentially look for in the future. Well, kind of a lot of the same. I've been pretty tied up with work for the most part, uh, working a lot of long hours, busy days, and 
um, you know, as a, a family man and, and with other responsibilities, it's been it's been tough. And I had to kind of get away from the, the Dynasty War Zone. Uh, I do miss being on podcasts and, and currently I'm sort of in a transition at work that should get me kind of freed up to start doing more of those things. Uh, I am active on Twitter. So if you want to find me, I'm at Mike Jernigan 79 at Twitter or on Twitter. That's uh, Jernigan is J E R N I G A N seven, nine at Twitter. So uh, go ahead and look me up on there. And I, I you know, I don't have any uh, big things in the works right now, but hopefully with this transition at work, I'm going to be starting to do a little more, uh, either writing or podcasting or whatever, but things to come. All right. Well, I love how you know sold the importance of uh, breaking up a motorcycle gang, space exploration, and keeping soccer hooligans in line in Russia during the World Cup. It's not, it's not a very big deal, but it's a big deal to me. And I want to thank all three of these guys for coming on uh, and spending some time with me and, and breaking down the NFC North to the level they did. Remember the uh, the new show feed. Yeah, you have to subscribe to the one that just says Dynasty Warzone. The other one is no longer active, and you're missing out on some great guests like these. I've had Addison Hayes. I've had the Aussie guys. Uh, this coming Friday, I'm going to drop a best ball bu- 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 bonus with Kevin Wheeler, at FF underscore Wheeler, and just lots of good things to come the rest of the season. So, uh before I let you go, I want to make sure to talk about uh, Scott Fish Bowl 8. Um, not about what we're doing in there, but what you can do. You can go to fantasycares.net, and you can just make an out-and-out donation. If you don't know what it is, you can hit me up on Twitter. Any of these guys, we'd love to tell you about it. At the end of the day, at ScottFish24 on Twitter is raising a lot of money. I think the current total is almost $30,000. And every dime of that will go back to help kids at Christmas time with toys for tots. Uh, you can see that on a pinned tweet on Scott's page. So if you're looking for how to get involved, how to get into this called a fantasy football tournament next year, all that's at fantasycares.net or you can follow Scott. But it's absolutely one of the coolest and kindest things that the fantasy industry does. So. Uh, on behalf of my guests and myself at DFF Memphis, I will see you guys on Friday this week. Thanks.